Praise God. If you didn't know this about me yet, I love babies, so I'm excited. I probably love them more than you do. I'm I'm willing to bet. I'm excited about that. That's going to be fun. Love the Mays family. Praise God. Amen. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God that's here today. I give honor to our worship team who... I wouldn't even say weekly. I would say daily. They... They make it a goal and a charge of theirs to have hearts of worship and and then share that with us. And I'm thankful for that. The anointing that God has on them, I'm thankful for that. I give honor to Bishop and Sister Schoonover. Uh, he let me know he's planning to be here Tuesday, so I'm going to put the plug in for you to be here Tuesday. And uh, every Tuesday is good to be here, but we are especially uh, thankful when Bishop gets to be here with us as well. Amen. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 1. My goal today, I want to be not just honest, but transparent as well, as much as I can be which hopefully is 100%. Uh, As always, that's not a new thing. That's always my goal. But I want to just let the Lord help us with some things he's been speaking to me about. I, uh, in, In honesty, I told my wife just a little bit last night. Uh, well, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I basically said... Uh, I don't, I feel like I don't know the Lord very well. And uh, that's not a slight on 37 years of living for him. In fact, it's probably a testimony of 37 years of living for him because the more he shares, the more I realize he's got more to share that I don't know. I heard a preacher one time, he was saying, oh, this could be fun. I didn't see this coming, but he said, uh, it's entirely reasonable for the Lord to expect one man to stay not only married to, but interested in one woman for the entirety of his life because as soon as he starts to think he's got that woman figured out, she changes. And uh, I, as soon as I realize, oh, you, you like this? All right. What? You don't like that anymore? Oh, you want to do this instead? You changed your mind about that. I guess you're allowed to change your mind. Okay. And then that, what that becomes is a lifetime of learning one another in a relationship. And that's very similar to a lifetime of a relationship with the Lord. And it's, it's not because He's constantly changing but it's because there is so much about him that you could spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years of learning and still not learn at all because he is just that amazing. He is that amazing. 
So when I told her I feel like I don't know that I don't know how well I know him, it's because he showed me or he asks me things in scripture and then says, "Did you realize this?" Or sometimes he'll put a scripture in my my mind and say, "What do you think about that?" Well, okay, I'll answer that. It might get me in trouble, but I'll answer it, Lord, honestly. Here's what I think about it. And then he'll say, nope, wrong. And here's the proof. It's in this other scripture or it's in this other chapter. And and so it becomes revelation. I heard one one man of God say, uh, you don't only need revelation. And when it comes to our understanding of the scripture and of the Lord, you don't only need revelation, you need illumination. And illumination is something different than revelation. Because learning something is only one half of it. And then learning why you need to know it is another part. And learning why it's important is another part. And learning how it fits with something else that you knew that they were unrelated is another part. So what the Lord does, He doesn't just reveal Scripture to you and say, all right, now you've got all the the knowledge you're ever going to need, go have fun with it. No, he says, I'm shining a light on this to teach you. And then I'm going to shine a light on this to teach you. And then you're going to know double and you're going to put them both together. And you're going to know me more. And then, oh, by the way, that also fits over here. And then, remember that thing I taught you when you were a kid? It also fits right here. And then, the thing, I don't, I'm not even ready for you to learn this yet. But here's a little glimpse of it. This is, this is our walk with God, and this is how He illuminates Scripture to us. The, 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 the Bible says that Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Lord has a path that He wants you to walk on, that He expects you to walk on, and He doesn't expect you to find your way just by chance or in the dark. He expects you to use His light to know your way. I love that we sing these songs and and, and talked about how you were and you are and you will be. And I believe that 100%. And He never changes, but... Through time, which is something that we know, something that we experience, in time, he's this, but he's also this. And then he's this, but he's also this. That's not changing. That's him being everything. That's him being all. He is all. He always has been all. He always will be all. But we know one part of him that was only for 33 and a half years. One part of him. He was a man. Everybody say he was a man. You know, he was only a man because he needed to be. Why did he need to be? Because of you and because of me. Because we're men. And he had to be the sacrifice that you or I could not be. So he became that. But that was only, I mean, 33 and a half. If you're over 33 years old, would you just raise your hand real fast? All of us that with, with our hands raised, 
have lived on this earth longer than the man Jesus Christ lived. Now, if you're double that, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> but think about that for a second. Because we, we want to wrap everything about God in 33 and a half years and then say, if you don't understand that, you don't really know God. That's not true at all. He was, He is, He always will be. And He alone knows the reason why it was 33 and not 32 or 34 years. Or 5 or 50. He knows all of those things and exactly what He needed to be and how and when and, and everything. But I'm just, I told you I want to be transparent with you. If I, I can beat myself up sometimes because I'll think of a question about God and not have the answer for it and then condemn myself and say, well, I guess I don't know Him as well as I thought I did. Well, if I'm trying to fit outside knowledge about Him into Him, I'm going to have a difficult time doing that. But most of my, if not all of my, thoughts about Him come from the world. From, from not just like the world is in the ungodly, but from my experiences here on earth, from preachers, from reading, from listening, from teachers, all these things that they're, they're trying to cram knowledge into my head, and then it's up to me to justify and reconcile all of that and see, okay, how does all these things fit into you, God? No, what I really need to do is start with Him and let Him walk me through what He wants me to know about Him and how He teaches. You know, we don't all learn the same way. We all learn differently. There's visual learners, there's auditory learners, there's whatever the touching one is where you touch and learn through experience that way. And what works well for one doesn't necessarily work for the, the other person. You think God doesn't know that? Of course He knows that. And He knows what you need to know about Him. He knows how you need to learn it about Him. Acts 1, verse 9. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. Everybody say a cloud. A cloud, they, they saw him, and it's like letting go of a balloon, and you try to watch it this teeny tiny, and then you can't see it anymore. That's kind of how I imagine them trying to... Where, where, this, you realize, this was after he had died on the cross, resurrected out of the grave, and lived with them more time. And then he was gone, and this was like gone, gone. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Verse 11, Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner 
as ye have seen him go into heaven. Another way to put that is, he's going to come back the same way that you saw him leave. So why are you standing here? It's not like he's, you know, just riding an elevator that's going to come back down. No, he's going. And he will be seen coming back down. Uh, as I was trying to uh, understand why it's so complicated sometimes for us as Christians to explain, relate and explain and understand Jesus, I felt the Lord kind of just show me that and say, well, part of it is because I went away differently than I came to the earth at first. How did he come to the earth at first? He was born of a virgin. Right? And then he was a baby and then he grew up and he became an adolescent and an adult and we understand that part of it. But then he didn't become an old man as my children say, die of oldness. No, he... It's like he hit the pause button and said, this is where I get off. I'm going away. That is hard to understand for us. So where did you go? Where have you been? Where are you right now? If I found you, what would I find? And these are questions, that, logical questions that enter, especially into the minds of those that actually watched him leave. I, just imagine, 5, 10, 15 years later, and some of these disciples are walking through this same path. Oh, I was standing right here when I saw him go up. And having to explain that to other people. He's, he went up there, I promise you. In fact, it was, I was standing this way, facing this direction, and I can tell you for how long I saw him until I couldn't see him anymore. Go back to what Jesus said to his disciples. It's expedient that I go away from you. I will come again to you. And he says, the Father will send another comforter in my name, which is the Holy Ghost. So, I yes, I'm going to leave, and no, you won't see me like this anymore, but I will come back to you. And that's not talking about like in the rapture or the second coming of the Lord. I will come back to you in the form of the Holy Ghost. And you know, the great thing about that is, the way that I'm with you right now, we have some great days. We, we've seen miracles. You've heard lessons. You've done your own miracles and we fellowship. But at the end of every day, you go your way and I go my way. And I got to get some beauty sleep. No, you got to get, no. We all have to rest. And then we reconvene the next day. Sometimes we go a few days without seeing each other, don't we? And then sometimes I send you off that way and I send you off that way and I just stay here and you have to go and do the things you got to do without me. The beautiful thing about this is when I go away and come back, we won't have to be separated anymore. 
it won't just be good night, Jesus, I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you're still here. No, it is, I will be in you. I will abide in you. Even when you sleep, I'm there with you. Even when you don't want me to be, I'm there with you. Because I am. Because I was. I will be. So we, know, we understand that as the Holy Ghost coming back to us, we see that in Acts chapter 2 when they received the Holy Ghost and, and that was the fulfillment of the words that he spoke to them in John 14. Thank the Lord for that. But it still makes me wonder, did he go up and like explode into millions of tiny particles that come back as spirit? Or, or did he go up and get a nice cozy chair to throne to sit in and, and wait? Or what happened? Because he was a man. Everybody say he was a man. What happened to the man? That's what we want to know. I was asking the Lord this, and I felt him say, what did John see? John, one of the disciples, he was there, saw me go up and go away. And then he got the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, and he became one of these, the Holy Ghost. What did he see? Because my question is, where are you? What would I see? What are you like? What would I know? What did John see? Look at Revelation chapter 1, if you would, please. John write, writes this. Revelation chapter 1, we'll go to verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. From him which is and which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, grace and peace to the churches from him. Keep reading. Let me read it. Let me go back and read that part of verse 4 again. From him which was and is and is to come, and from the seven spirits which are from the, before his throne. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests. This man Jesus Christ did a lot for us. Made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him... Be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, pause for a second. I told you I just have questions. I'm trying to be transparent about my questions. I can't even read these without more questions coming up. If it says Jesus Christ and his Father, how can the Scripture say that? But if, this, and if it says... To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
him, Jesus Christ, how can it say that? He, glory and dominion, he's the one in charge. Wait, how, how's Jesus Christ the one in charge? I thought God was the one in charge. And how, you see where I'm going? Paul wrote this in every book just to make you wonder. Not, no, that's not why he wrote it. But he wrote it in every book. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, keep reading because I said, the Lord asked me, what did John see? Verse 7, behold, he cometh with clouds. That sounds familiar. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. This is John who was standing there where we read in Acts chapter 1 when the angel said, why are you standing here looking? The way that he went up, he's going to come back. So just remind yourselves, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. You sensing a theme here? I am, I was, I will be the Almighty. Verse 9. I, John, who was also your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle of, that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm, I was on that island doing my calling to share the word of God, to share the testimony. I was just, I'm reminding you who I am and where I was. Verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, if, I'm, if I remember right, he was exiled on this island, right? He was a prisoner because of what he had done. And now he's on the island, and the Lord decides to show up. And this is the way he does. I heard a, behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse 11. Saying, I am Alpha... And Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book. Send it to the seven churches. Next verse. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. I'm going to back to remind you. I asked, what did John, the Lord said, what did John see? He heard the voice. He heard the words, Alpha, Omega, first and last. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Everybody say, that's Jesus. The Son of Man. You think John knows what he looked like? Of course he did. He lived with him. He walked with him. He knows what he looked like. Standing in the middle of these seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. He looks like Jesus. 
clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool. Okay, either the man, Jesus Christ, had white hair and you didn't know it and I didn't know it, and it's not recorded anywhere else in Scripture, but that was apparently an indicator of, no. He's seeing him in a new way or a different way. I still know that that's you, Jesus, but you've got white hair. It's not because you aged. It's because of the way I'm seeing you right now. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Well, okay, before we go on, I want you to get this visual. This is the visual that the Lord gave John. I'm looking like this. Now, I like the fact that John clues us in and, and says, by the way, I know that this was the Son of Man. There's no hiding that. You've got all kinds of new looks and things about you, but I know that that's you. Like unto the Son of Man. Verse 15. And his feet like unto fine brass if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. That's what he looked like. He was shining bright as the sun. Verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This vision is too much for me to process falls over and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not I am the first and the last now let me pause for a second if this is if this is uh, too informal for you I, I guess I would apologize but I'm just telling you what I see and what I think and what I feel and what I know Fear not, I am the first and the last. He puts his hand on him. Next verse. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. How, Lord, I told you, it's like I don't even know him. Because he appears the way he needs to appear, when and how he needs to appear. I was thinking about this the other day. The scripture says, God was manifest in the flesh. To manifest means to cause to appear 
I want you to see something. It's here. All of you are manifest here today. Thank you for showing up. You, you caused yourself to manifest at church today. Now, you probably got in the car and drove here, but you're still here. You caused yourself to appear. The Lord, God, was manifest in the flesh. We think, oh, wow, he's like a genie. He's a magic guy that, poof, there he is. No, he was born in the flesh. Right? That's what it means. Emmanuel, God with us. That is God manifest in the flesh. Here in this vision, he manifests himself to John as the bright, shining, white hair, flame eyes guy. He manifests as that. What I'm seeing is he will show me what he wants me to see. He will reveal himself. He will manifest himself as he needs to for you and for me. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Acts chapter 13. Verse 16. I'm going to do some reading. I, I know I've already read some. But this is what the Lord showed me when he kind of started me thinking on this. Lord, do I even know you? Paul and Barnabas were doing their missionary journeys and traveling they get to a place called Antioch they go into a synagogue in Antioch while they are there the men in Antioch invite Paul to speak then Paul stood up beckoning with his hand said men of Israel and ye that fear God give audience I'm switching to this other translation to make it easier to listen to. Fellow Israelites and all Gentiles here who worship God, hear me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors and made the people a great nation during the time they lived as foreigners in Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt by his great power and for 40 years he endured them in the desert. Wow, Paul, you're really starting way back there. God, the God of our ancestors. God, the God that took the Israelites out of Egypt. I mean, come on, Paul, this is modern day. We, I mean, we got, we got the best idols now. Gold, silver, towers. I mean, you can't hold people's attention by talking about all the way back then. Get with it, Paul. Pep up your game, preacher man. No, I have a story to tell you, and you're in this story. But it starts with God choosing 
our ancestors. Verse 19, he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, made his people the owners of the land, and all this took about 450 years. After this, he gave them judges. You know the Bible, the Old Testament. Moses, Israelites, Egypt, Canaan, the nation of Israel. He gave them judges unto the time of the prophet Samuel. I'm skipping ahead. Gave them Saul to be the king. After Saul, he gave them David to be their king. Verse 23, it was Jesus, a descendant of David, whom God made the Savior of the people of Israel, as he had promised. Did I fast forward enough for you? Now we're going to talk about Jesus. I know that's why you're here today. Well, Paul probably thought, I wish that's why you were here today. But that's why I'm here today. Because that's who I know, that's who I talk about, is Jesus. But that's just a little background for you. To get up to this descendant of David. Boy, I'm just telling you, I know what it's like to see people who are proud of where they come from. Their background, their history, their claim. And that's exactly what Paul is facing here to say, go, just go back as far as your, your, your father David. I mean, I know you got once further back all the way to Abraham and how proud you are of all of this, but we're fast-forwarding down to David and then skipping some more generations and we get to a man named Joseph and his son, Jesus. Before, verse 24, before Jesus began his work, John preached to all the people of Israel that they should turn from their sin and be baptized. As John was about to finish his mission, he said to the people, who do you think I am? I'm not the one you're waiting for, but listen, he's coming after me. And I am not good enough to take the sandals off his feet. Verse 26. My fellow Israelites, descendants of Abraham and all Gentiles here, who worship God. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. King James puts it this way. To you is the word of this salvation sent. We're, we're, we're past the idea of segregating Jews and Gentiles. You understand that, right? We're in Acts chapter 13. Cornelius was in Acts chapter 10. So we're beyond this whole idea that this is now only for the Jews. That's why several times here, Paul says, Israelites, that's a funny word to call them. We don't go by that term anymore. No, but I'm separating you to let you know it applies to both. Israelites and all the Gentiles here. Everybody that worships God. This message is for you. God caused Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Next verse. 
Verse 27. For the people who live in Jerusalem and their leaders did not know that he is the Savior, nor did they understand the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Yet they made the prophets' words come true by condemning Jesus. You understand that? It wasn't enough for Jesus to just be born. Miraculously. He had to die. God knew that Jesus would have to die. He said, so I'm going to put him in this arena where those who do not know him or believe him or like him will want to kill him. Wow. It's a pretty smart God, isn't he? Creates him, creates him to the degree that people you either love him or hate him. That's why Jesus could look at them and say, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And now you're just following in his footsteps. He knew what his calling was. Even though, verse 28, they could find no reason to pass the death sentence on him, they asked Pilate to put him to death. Verse 29. After they had done everything that the scriptures say about him, they took him down from the cross, placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from death. And for many days he appeared to those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now witnesses for him to the people of Israel. And we are here to bring you the good news. What God promised our ancestors he would do, he has now done for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus to life as it's written in the second psalm. The Lord would even inspire David to prophesy and say, you will not let your beloved taste death. I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt some people thought David's probably talking about himself. Like, oh, God, you think you're so special. God loves you so much. He's not going to let you die. No, that's prophecy about the one to come. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Jesus that Paul knew. I want to knew, know the Jesus that walked with John and Philip and Peter. I don't get to go back in time. I was thinking about this. It would probably be easier for us to understand if he was born in, I don't know, maybe the year 2000. And right now that put him about 22 years old. I don't know, maybe he was born in Detroit, Michigan. Can anything good come out of Detroit? But then put him on a mission from God. Cause him to live and cause him to visit by Yakima. And you see him and you get to experience who he is. And see him in the flesh. And then see him go up into heaven. 
but know that he said, I'm coming back to you. See, we, we can remove ourselves so much that we say that was thousands of years ago. Does it even matter? Does it even still apply? Oh, uh, uh, this is about to be mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, it matters for me if he can do something for me. I'm not trying to be cruel or critical. But how often is that somebody's approach to Jesus? What can he do for me? I, I, I got Netflix, man, that's pretty good. I got Uber Eats, that works really well. I got air conditioning, running water. What can Jesus do for me? And then we, then we feel like as Christians, oh God, what do you got in here that's better than Netflix? can't compete with that. Why are you trying to compete with that? What did he tell the woman at the well? If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was speaking to you, you would ask of me living water. That's the problem. They don't know him. They don't know him. Now, we, we can boil it down and say, well, yeah, but part of the problem is we just got too much good stuff in the world. Okay, I'll give you that, but it's not always going to be there. This is what the scripture says when it says they would be consumed with their own lusts. I, I, I got everything good that I ever want or ever need. I don't even need God. That's I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic here. But that is an attitude prevailing in this world. I don't even need God. The scripture says, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Lord, this world needs you. It's more than just me and you and those of us that are in this room. It, it applies to all of us. But at least we're starting off with the right foot of, I want to know him. You think, what do you think Saul thought before he was Paul? I don't want to know him. I want to I get everybody that loves him, wrap them up, put them in jail, and not let them out. I don't want to know him. I got a job to do, and I'm good at it. Oh, my brother. 
I would to God that he would arrest every single person living that direction the way that he did Paul. Now, he's not going to knock them all off their horses and blind them. But I promise you, he wants to bring them, just like he did Paul, into a correct understanding and relationship. Who he is. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close here. We know that the world needs Jesus. I think we know that part of our calling is to share Jesus with the world. I think we know that. I was telling somebody last week, but also in the words of Paul, he said, I don't want to preach the whole gospel to everyone. Win all these souls. Reach everybody that God called me to reach. And then myself become a failure. Because I, I can tell you all day about how you need to know him. I can tell you all day about what he can do for you. I can tell you all day about all those things. But if it's not in me, if it's not in here, I become the castaway. I become the failure. Would you just pray for a little bit? Come on, I, I, I'm not going to try to make you do it, but I think it'd be good if you expressed to God your desire to know him your desire to fellowship with him, to know his word and his truth. In the name of Jesus, I'm opening this altar. I'm asking you to find a place to pray. Would you let the Lord speak to you? Lord Jesus, God, I want to know you in a real way. God, I want to know you, Jesus, the truth of your word. I want a true fellowship with you, Jesus. God, you're the one that takes away the sin of the world. God, you're the one that robed yourself in flesh, caused yourself to be born as a human being and come to this world. God, that you might taste suffering. God, that you might know sorrow. God, that you would know all the points whereby we are tempted. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it, God. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for dying for my sins. I thank you for washing away my sin, Lord. You humbled yourself, O oh God. You came to this earth, Lord Jesus. You did it for me. God, there is so much about you that I still don't know. God, but I know I want a fellowship with you. I know that I want a relationship with you. God, I know that I cannot live without you. I know that there's no peace without you in my life, God. I know that you bring true hope, true love, joy, salvation. I know that you bring all of that, God, into my life. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, come on, just talk to the Lord if you would. I believe the Lord is here and He's listening. He's listening to the cries of your heart. He's listening to the voice that you speak with. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I've got to know you, Lord. I've got to fellowship with you, Jesus. Why don't you let his spirit guide you? Why don't you let his spirit lead and guide you into all truth? Come on, the scripture says it. When that which is perfect is come, that which is imperfect will be done away with. Come on, let his spirit guide you and lead you into truth. I need you to illuminate God in my life. I need you to illuminate my path, Lord. Shine your light of truth into my path. Shine your light of truth, God. Jesus, I need your direction. I need your clear direction, Lord, for every step that I take. Come on, He wants you to know Him today. He wants you to know Him. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to extend mercy and goodness, grace to you. He wants to bring that into your life. I believe in you, God. I put my faith in you today, God. I put my faith in you, Jesus.
Obviously, it was not out of his own will and desire to go there. But I believe still yet that there was a, a surrender that had to take place for the revelation that then came. And it's interesting because Patmos literally translates to the, the place of of killing or the place of of dying and so John I believe got to that place beyond himself where he wasn't he wasn't focused on where he was stuck at he wasn't focused on what was around him which was just sea <laughs> he was stuck there on an island but the Bible said that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day he got to a place beyond his flesh where he could be transformed and translated to this place of revelation. And I believe that that's a place that God wants to take each of us. When we get beyond ourselves, deny ourselves and say, God, I don't want to know you for what I can gain from you. But I want to know you just because you're awesome. Just because you're good. Just because there's nothing else better out there that's worth knowing and so I'm going to surrender and give my life that I may know you Paul said that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering we have to know the fellowship of suffering to know the power of his resurrection amen just one more time can we thank the Lord today for his for his word for his wisdom God, we thank you, Jesus, for this word that was spoken today. I pray, God, that it would be planted in each of our hearts, that we would go from this place and not just leave it here, Jesus, but allow it to mix with faith in our spirit, Jesus. And in these upcoming days throughout this week, Lord, that we would find you, that we would seek you, and that we would know you, that we would go to your word, Father, every single day to know you more, to know you deeper, Jesus, in fellowship and in love and communion with you, God. I pray that we would take it beyond the four walls of this church building, Jesus, and that a desire would well up inside of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, go with each individual here today, Father give them wisdom and revelation in the name of Jesus I pray amen amen have a blessed rest of your your weekend your day and remember Tuesday night 
Bishop being here with us. And by the way, we're here every Tuesday night, <laughs> but it's a special treat to have Bishop with us. So God bless you and you're dismissed this morning. <laughs>